Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Double Down, a WNBA podcast. I'm your host, Eric Nemchak, alongside my good friend, Stephen Trinkwald. And Stephen, today we're going to be talking about the New York Liberty, what went wrong for them last season, and what can go right for them this season. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this team. They are a team with, I think, a lot of promise moving forward, you know, despite the disappointing last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. This is a team that uh, we, we're going to have a lot to talk about today because they basically went and basically blew everything up. I mean, wherever you look at this franchise, everything has changed. But yeah, last season was not successful for them. They went 10-24, and 24, tied for 10th best record in the league, net rating 11th. Offensively, they struggled. They were 10th in the league, scoring 95.4 points per 100 possessions. And defensively, they were just horrid. They allowed 103.8 points per 100 possessions, which was last in the WNBA. You know, the Liberty, they had an interesting season in that they actually started pretty okay. Like, they started 7-7 seven and seven through early July, but then they just went in the tank. Like, they went 3-17 and 17 the rest of the season. It was never really, I feel like, a playoff hopeful team, but the way they just kind of fell off at the end there was, was pretty disappointing, I think. Katie Smith, you know, they went 17-51 and 51 in two seasons under Katie Smith after going, you know, they won at least 20 games in three straight seasons under Bill Lambeer the previous three seasons. So it was definitely disappointing for them. Then, of course, you had the, the whole ownership struggle with MSG. They were going in and out of the, uh, the Westchester arena over there, which a lot of fans weren't happy, for, happy about. So uh, they were rewarded for this great struggle with the number one overall draft pick in 2020, of course, landing Sabrina Unescu, which we will get into later with great detail, of course. But I, I kind of like to transition to that by saying, like, the Liberty, this is this is going to be a whole new season for them. Obviously, with the, with the whole bubble and the coronavirus situation, they don't really have – they're not going to be able to really take advantage of their new location, which is Brooklyn. But, you know, they've got new ownership. They've got a new head coach in Walt Hopkins. They've got a new franchise player, obviously, in Sabrina Unescu. It's just a new era for a storied franchise. And uh, I think a lot of Liberty fans are looking forward to it. Of course, we have yet to see what's really going to happen on the court. But, uh, as we said before, a lot of exciting things to talk about. So, where do you want to start? Well, I guess we should talk a little bit about kind of what they did last year. They were not particularly effective on either the offensive end or the defensive end. Uh, offense, as you mentioned, they were 10th. They were not effective in the half court or in transition. 10th uh, in efficiency in transition, 9th in half court efficiency. Uh, they didn't really kind of play a very modern game uh, in terms of you know, their shot profile, they were only seventh in terms of their frequency around the rim. They were ninth in field goal percentage there. So not an effective team getting all the way to the basket. Although, as we'll get to, definitely some uh, young players in particular that showed some promise there. They were only ninth in three-point attempt rate and eighth in free throw attempt rate. Uh, so really a team that kind of lived in the, the mid-range, tied for fourth in shot frequency from 16 feet to the three-point line, third in frequency from 11 to 15 feet. So you know, obviously with, with some of the roster construction that they had last year, that's kind of where a lot of their players like to live and do their work. Um, they were the third highest in terms of turnover rate last year, but only sixth in opponent steal rate. So did a pretty good job, I guess, you know, limiting live ball turnovers. Uh, you got to find some silver lining somewhere. Um, definitely had some floor spacing issues, 11th in catch and shoot efficiency, 11th in efficiency as a roller, you know, Tina Charles, uh, 55 possessions, was in the fourth percentile league-wide. Amanda Zawi B, 51 possessions, so right behind her, was pretty effective as a roller, 84th percentile, but Rashonda Gray and Han Zhu were, were pretty below average on lower volume, 
you know, not an effective post-up team. Tina Charles, again, taking up a lot of these possessions, pretty below average there. Amanda Zawibi and Rashonda Gray, again, each took up about 10% of their post-up possessions. And again, Amanda Zawibi was pretty good, 89th percentile. Rashonda Gray was pretty bad, 18th percentile. So, But I did want to kind of touch on some of the more encouraging things, particularly with how this roster is constructed now. You know, they were third in efficiency from the pick-and-roll ball handlers, but 12th in frequency, like by a long shot. Uh, and I thought this was worth mentioning because there are two leading players in terms of frequency here where there are two vets, Brittany Boyd and Bria Hartley. And those two players in particular were not very good, 46th and 33rd percentile respectively. But right behind them in their volume was Kia Nurse, 95th percentile, Maureen Johannes, 88th percentile, and Asia Dern, 91st percentile. So their three kind of perimeter young building blocks were all very effective in terms of at least scoring in their own offense in the pick and roll. Um, but I did, you know, mention before that they had some uh, limitations in terms of space in the floor. They were 10th in spot-up efficiency. Uh, Tina Charles, again, had more of these possessions than any other Liberty player, and she was really driving down their numbers in the 11th percentile. Kia Nurse was second on their team in terms of volume, and she was in the 73rd percentile. And then Maureen Johannes, even though she was on pretty low volume, I think it's worth mentioning that she was in the 100th percentile as a spot-up player, almost exclusively coming off jump shots. So as we're kind of going to get to over the course of this episode, you know, what, what they kind of got from a lot of their veterans was probably disappointing, but the young players definitely showed some promise. That's very interesting. You mentioned all this um, because I feel like uh, Tina Charles did not have a great season last year. You know, she, she made the all-star team, but that's not, I mean, for reasons, <laughs> um, she was not very efficient from the field. I didn't know she was that inefficient though. Like especially from spotting up, that's, that's disappointing. Um, obviously, she's not on the team anymore, uh, nor is Bria Hartley, nor is Brittany Boyd. So a lot of this really inefficiency has been cut out from the team. And, of course, it remains to be seen if Asia Durr or uh, Kia Nurse can repeat those efficiency figures, like when they have a, a higher workload next season. But um, I think it is encouraging right away to see that their young players did perform well, although in somewhat limited especially for Asia Durr because she had you know injury in, injury problems in her rookie season which really sucks but she was pretty good at those at those things that you know their veterans weren't so um we talked a little bit before the show about how some of the some of the parts of their team that have that were not really I guess uh modern if you if you want to say like effectively modern offensive they're they're no longer with the team so the Liberty are kind of looking forward as an offensive team they're they're looking I mean, the way they built their roster, which we're going to get to later, um, it, it just, all of it just screams, hey, we're looking to run a modern style offense, which I think is encouraging. Yeah, for sure. And the bulk, I think, of the focus in this episode is really going to be geared towards those young players. So kind of before we get into that, I'll just sort of go over their, uh, what their defense kind of looked like last year. And then we can kind of go and talk about, you know, not only their their wealth of rookies, uh, but also, you know, some of the returning young players as well. So on Defense, they were bad uh, all around. You know, they were 11th in transition efficiency, 12th in half-court efficiency. So no matter what, what kind of possession, they weren't really able to stop anyone. Uh, they tied for the third highest frequency of shots allowed within five feet, you know, despite playing, you know, with two bigs for uh, most of the time. They were not an effective rebounding team either, despite playing with two bigs, eighth in defensive rebounding. They were second highest in terms of free throw attempt rate allowed, so really did foul a ton. And, you know, I just thought overall the defensive communication was was very bad. Uh, it didn't really seem like 
players kind of knew when to switch or when they were switching, it was kind of suboptimal situations where they didn't necessarily have to switch or they put one of their guards in, in a situation where they just kind of had to immediately come double and, you know, give up an open shot. Amazingly, they were, they gave up the smallest proportion of unguarded catch and shoot opportunities, but, you know, just kind of watching this team, you know, game after game, it, it really didn't feel like that. It felt like they were giving up a lot of open opportunities uh, and they were also 12th in efficiency in those guarded opportunities. So maybe those contests that they were able to provide were just not very tough contests or, or maybe they just got some bad shooting luck. So interestingly enough, between, you know, playing those two traditional bigs that I, I mentioned before, AZB and Charles so, so frequently, 100% of the pick and rolls that Amanda Zowie defended were pops and 88% of the possessions that Charles defended in those were also pops. So teams were not really rolling to the basket with this uh, starting lineup on the floor. I think they were more kind of getting to the rim with their, um, their perimeter options, but that's pretty much all I had in terms of kind of what they were doing defensively. It, it wasn't great. You know, I don't imagine that end of the floor will improve too much this year, but offensively, you know, I think that's uh, another uh, topic. Now, two things you said that stood out to me. One is the unguarded versus guarded catch and shoot. For those listening, Synergy statistics, which we're getting this from, they, they separate uh, catch and shoot opportunities into guarded and unguarded. Stephen, how much, how noisy do you think that is? Do you think that's, it's all accurate or, or what? I think there's, you know, I think it's fairly noisy. Uh, I think it can be a, a useful statistic, but I mean, without kind of being able to access the video to see what they're considering guarded, you know, maybe a closeout that's a little late would be considered guarded. So without really being able to kind of watch it play by play, it's hard to really take it as gospel. So, so I would say it is a little noisy, but I do think it's still probably worth checking out at least. For sure. Just wanted to make that distinction. And also, we talk a lot about their bigs uh, uh, defensively. They did not have Kia Stokes last season. She sat out the 2019 season. How much of that do you think was affected by her absence? Well, I mean, Kia Stokes, I think, is a, a good big. But, you know, even if she was on last year's roster, she probably would be, you know, maybe the third or fourth best big on this team. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine she would uh, replace Amanda Zowie B or, or Tina Charles in the starting lineup. So, uh, you know, maybe she would be starting those games where Amanda Zalibi was overseas instead of Rashonda Gray or, or something like that. You know, I think Rashonda Gray is uh, a very admirable, you know, backup center, but but limited in a lot of ways for sure. So, yeah, yeah, I think getting her back will help for sure. At least defensively. I mean, because she's, she's had the reputation of being a, a pretty versatile and stout defensive player. Offensively, like, maybe not, but uh, yeah. I think she would have been an improvement over Rashonda Gray, although... Gray did put up some very good offensive rebounding numbers last season. So, I mean, it's it's pretty piecemeal when you're talking about a team that went 3-17 and 17 down the stretch. I just wanted to provide some context there. Um, you have some notes about some young players. Who, who do you want to talk about here? Well, let's start with Kia Nurse. She is the one that has, you know, a couple seasons under her belt. Uh, and before kind of I get into what I think of Kia Nurse, like what, what did you think of her sophomore campaign? Um, I think she started out really well. Uh, she kind of tailed off after the All-Star break, but she did She did deserve to be an All-Star, I think. I think for Kia Nurse, I mean, uh, what you see from her is a player who can get her own shot by getting to the free throw line and getting to the room. She's, she's really good at getting to the free throw line. Maybe two-point percentage wasn't wasn't very good, but um, she was a pretty good three-point shooter. So I think when you when you take into account, like, okay, she can get, she can get to the free throw line and she, she, she can shoot the three, she is a player who will definitely be featured in a modern-leaning offense. So maybe at the end of the day, her statistics, her end-of-season statistics didn't really show much improvement, but I think she did improve as a player. She's, she's definitely a player I'd want to have on my team. How about you? 
Yeah, she's tough. You know, I mentioned before, 95th percentile in the pick and roll in her own offense, only in the 44th percentile in kind of total offense, including passing. And this is something that I think we're going to probably harp on a lot with their their two backcourt players that are, you know, carrying over from last season to this season, Kia Nurse and Asia Durr. Neither of them are really kind of any great shakes as a creator. So, you know, you had mentioned it. She was not as good from two-point range, Kia Nurse, that is, as she was compared to her rookie season, but got to the free throw line a little bit better and shot much better from the three. So she was still able to drive her efficiency up a decent amount. Um, She's not a plus transition player, you know, only in the 28th percentile in her own offense, 18th percentile, including passing. So that's pretty disappointing, but she's definitely willing to get out and run. So if she's able to just kind of fine tune that aspect of her game a little bit, you know, she really was uh, a horse in terms of her transition volume last year. So, you know, she's able to just kind of clean that up a little bit. That would be a plus, obviously. Uh, 21% of her shots came from within five feet, 56% finishing. That's pretty good for a perimeter player. You know, it would be a little bit better for her as a two within a three. And that's something maybe we can get to a little bit later. If you think, if you think she's kind of, you know, playing a little bit out of position at the three, I think some people think that I'm not really sure how I feel, but overall, you know, with regards to her finishing 90th percentile in the half court around the basket on non post-ups. So, you know, that's, Definitely something you got to, you know, consider as a strength of her game. And almost three quarters of her shots in total were coming from either within five feet or the three-point line. So with regards to, you know, I did mention that she was worse on two-pointers this season than her rookie season. Well, you know, she was 36% on two-pointers, 10 feet or out, and that was 23% of her shots. So those kind of in-between the the mid-range game definitely was not a strength for her, at least last season. I, I don't really see why that would be such a poor area for her, you know, moving forward but hopefully she can just kind of reduce the volume a little bit as we say so often, you know, defensively, obviously she had a a great reputation coming out of college, was very accomplished um, at UConn as a defensive player. What have you thought about her defensively in the W so far? Uh, Defensively, I think Kia Nurse, well, I think she's got the size and the tools to be a good perimeter defender. Maybe not against the larger players in the league. She doesn't really have, I feel like, great lateral quickness. But if she's, but I think she's an intelligent defender. So like, if she's helping two passes away, or, or she, or I mean, if she's denying two passes away, um, she can be a good perimeter defender, like within a system. I'm not sure if she's going to be locking anybody down though. Yeah, agree with everything you just said there. I've mentioned before, not a plus passer. You know, she has okay handles, solid enough to like, you know, get herself to the basket. But she's really just wish I kind of saw more from a playmaking standpoint. Not really sure how she was. Uh, in college or how she is for uh, Team Canada in terms of being a playmaker. But in the W, you know, she really just kind of hasn't been that type of player. Uh, So it'll be, you know, kind of interesting to see how she looks in more of like a secondary perimeter role, you know, obviously with Sabrina Ionescu coming in, we would expect the ball to be in her hands uh, a lot. And and Kia Nurse was in the 100th percentile as a cutter and in isolation. So, you know, not only someone that can give you some good system buckets, but can, you know, really kind of break her player down or at least, you know, use her strength to get smaller guards all the way to the rim. So as you kind of mentioned, I, I do think she can be a solid piece of, a, of the system, you know, whether that's the third best player on a title team or, or something along those lines. But, uh, you know, we'll kind of get to where we think all these players' outcomes will end up, you know, a little bit later in the show. But who did you kind of want to touch on next? Or, or did you have some more thoughts on Nurse? No, I mean, I think we covered Nurse pretty extensively. Um, you said that she's probably the third or fourth best player on a championship contending team. And that's, that's a compliment. You know, I, I think she's got several skills that are, that she has exhibited so far and will continue to, to exhibit throughout her career that will make her a starting caliber player for a good team. 
like I said, I'd take Keanu on my team any day. And for those listening, 100th percentile, that's very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when we say 100th percentile, that means uh, there is nobody really better who ranked ahead of Kia Nurse in those areas. And, and one last thing maybe on, on her, you know, just her ability to create her own offense or credibly space the floor off the ball. Like that, that's a very valuable tool to have, you know, when you're playing alongside maybe a, a more ball dominant guard, like a Sabrina Ionescu or, you know, say they get a dominant big somewhere down the line. Absolutely. Okay. So um, moving right along here, uh, a player who we both, I think, really like, Maureen Johannes. She played just 19 games for the Liberty last season, but this girl can ball. Yeah, she is very exciting, was extremely efficient, 575 true shooting on a 60% three-point attempt rate. She's, you know, I don't want to get carried away, but she truly was last year one of my favorite players in the league to watch. Uh, did not really get to the rim very often, only 16% of her shots from within five feet went 13 of 18. So that's good percentage, but again, got to get there a little bit more often. Including assists, she was in the 89th percentile overall as an offensive player you know, of this kind of trio of young Liberty players we're going to talk about, she was really the only one that kind of brings any sort of playmaking. She was the only one that, you know, didn't see a considerable drop-off in her numbers as a pick-and-roll player uh, when you include passing as to just kind of individual offense. So 88th percentile overall in transition, 85th percentile in the half court, and she was uh, 82nd percentile on catch-and-shoot jumpers and then the 90th percentile and jump shots off the dribble you know we talk about versatility of jump shot all the time and this kid's shot is just like lightning fast she's going to get it out of her hand so quickly she has such great balance with her footwork you know she'll have some ugly misses because she's just going to throw up some some pretty uh high difficulty shots sometimes but and she did really struggle coming off screens i think she was in like the 10th percentile or something like that i didn't write it down but you know despite that statistic and her performing poorly you know I, I do think her jump shot just has amazing versatility you know she can take it off the bounce she can catch and shoot obviously and you know we'll, we'll get to this a, a little bit later but definitely star potential with this player you know I thought last year under Katie Smith you know she just wasn't like given a long enough leash she too often especially kind of like until the very end of the season when you know the Liberty were completely out of it she just was like not given enough to do she was just used as like a, a spot-up player you know a, a secondary or tertiary creator you know she is a little loose with the ball sometimes would like to see her tighten the handle up a little bit she's definitely the most creative passer on last year's roster and, and that led to some careless turnovers but it also led to like some really flashy plays and some stuff that'll really get the crowd going and you know at the end of the day this is like you know an entertainment product and if you can make people you know, stand up out of their seats while also scoring baskets for your team, you know, that, that definitely means something, I think. So only cracked 20 minutes or more twice in her first 13 games out of, what did you say it was, 19? Yeah. You know, I wish Katie Smith played her more, uh, so we had a little bit more to work with. But this is a player, you know, I wish she was coming over, understand obviously every single player that decides not to play this season. But the less we see of this player in the WNBA, the worse we all are for it. Yeah, I mean, Rene Johannes, she's... You said pretty much everything I wanted to say, but lightning quick release, very versatile jump shot. I remember I have it up here, um, game in early August. As, as some of you might know, I'm a sky season ticket holder. I said courtside, front row, uh, humble brag. <laughs> but um, it's, she was one of the most exciting players I have ever seen, honestly, uh, from, that, from that close up. She, was, she scored 16 points in 15 minutes. She was four out of four from three-point range. She was like, her, her release is so fast, and it's not like, right on the line like she can shoot it from far beyond the three-point yeah. line she's like 
these fadeaways that, you know, with, with a hand in her face, super, super ex- exciting and explosive player it, it, with the ball in her hands as well. You know, as you mentioned, I, I do wish Katie Smith allowed her to, her to make more plays. And honestly, I just wish Katie Smith allowed her to play more. Because <laughs> if you think like, okay, how many minutes did she put into Brittany Boyd and Bria Hartley when the team was clearly out of playoff contention? You know, I just, I just, I just wish Johannes would have played more selfishly. I'm not a Liberty fan or anything like that. And it's going to really stink not seeing her play next season. But uh, the sooner she comes back, the better, man, because yeah. definitely one of the most exciting players when she's on the court. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in there early, but you know, you mentioned it last season. I think that it was this specific game that you're talking about uh, against the sky that I kind of pulled this from like Katie Smith closed the game. They're like eight and 13 and Katie Smith closed the game with Tanisha Wright, Bria Hartley, Rebecca Allen, Tina Charles, and substituting Rashonda Gray and Rankaka Kunwe. Like, you have three legit building blocks on your roster. You're 8 and 13, and like you're closing the game with a lineup of either like over the hill vets who are on the brink of retirement or like journey women, you know, plus Rebecca Allen, who rules. Uh, she, she's awesome. We're going to miss her playing this season. But like, what do you do in closing? games with that lineup like I I understand I guess you're you know nominally trying to chase the playoffs but you have these three players that you know you would love to get some good kind of game closing reps out of and you're closing the game with Tanisha Wright and Bria Hartley in the backcourt like come on yeah I mean the the process there isn't great I'm I'm all for uh I don't usually like to throw around the t-word but you know tanking uh like like and that's what makes this this team so interesting for me this season is because they totally blew everything up you can tell they're all about the process now. You can tell they're all about the young players and the development. So, but yeah, that was one of the things that's, that was really frustrating watching Liberty as an as an impartial viewer last season. It's just they were they were putting so many minutes. You you could tell they really wanted to for for a long time. They were pushing for that eighth or seventh seed, and that's I don't think that's that's the way it should be done. But they get paid the big bucks. I don't. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess when you have a player, you know, like Tina Charles specifically, like you don't want to yeah. just kind of throw it into. To rebuilding mode but like are Tanisha Wright and Bria Hartley like giving you a better chance than Marine Johannes or Kia Nurse or you know someone like that would I mean I don't know maybe you know but anyway let, let's talk about Asia Durr before we kind of move on to the the rookies I, I don't really remember kind of where you were at the time with this move like what did you think of Asia Durr as the number two pick and what did you think of her rookie season before it was cut short uh, I liked it I liked it as a number two pick I was maybe a little too high on Asia Durr as a shot creator for other it's like a it's like a point guard I, I feel like she got really hyped in college for making these tough shots these these tough game clinching shots you know with the whole night night campaign um you know whenever whenever a player gets gets lauded like that it's it's uh her stock can maybe increase among the casual fans and but you know there's, there's nothing wrong with that that's 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 all good um I feel like Asia Dur it was kind of a disappointing season and that she was never really that healthy um she was dealing with some I think she was dealing with some issues was it a hamstring or, or a groin? I, I forget. But she didn't get to play as play that much. Of course, we talk about Bria Hartley and Brittany Boyd getting a lot of the minutes. Tanisha Wright getting a lot of minutes. I don't know if that had to do with Asia Durr's health or not. But as a number two overall pick, you know, I, I want to see a player like that get featured more often because I think Asia Durr is an exciting player. She's a she's got the potential to be a really good pure shooter, in my opinion. She can shoot it outside the three point line, inside inside the three point line. She's uh, a better finisher than I think uh, I would have expected to see because she's not really the best athlete, but you have it here in your notes. 75 or 76.5% finishing within five feet. That's, that's pretty good. Although, like, again, the sample size is pretty small. So I'm pretty high in Asia Durr's game as like a – I may be skipping ahead, ahead a little bit here, but I'm not sure if she's like a starter in this league, but there are a lot of 
parts of her game I do like. What about you? Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that her athleticism, you know, you, you wouldn't consider her a plus athlete, but, you know, I think she has at least the ability to, she has the quickness to get by her defender at least, which is good. You know, yeah. maybe her, her vertical athleticism is, is something else and maybe, you know, moving laterally defensively, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. But she was in the 100 percentile finishing around the rim in the half court on non-post-ups. You, you mentioned the, the shooting percentage there. 22% frequency, that's not terrible. She shot 55% overall on two-pointers last season, which, you know, for a player who takes as many mid-range jump shots as her, that, that's pretty good. Only Christy Tolliver had a better percentage in terms of guards from two-point range that, that played any kind of like real minutes last season. So she was an, a pretty effective player in transition, at least in her own offense, you know, 79th percentile in transition, only 61st percentile when you include assists. I mentioned her good pick and roll numbers before, 91st percentile as a pick and roll player in her own offense, but all the way down to the 23rd percentile when you include passes and holy cow, like you've got to do better than that as a, as a guard. You know, you, you can't have that kind of drop off. You got to do something in terms of creating for others. And, you know, maybe there's some noise in there in terms of just some players missing shots or whatever, but you, you mentioned her jump shot. It looks pure. Like she was not a good three-point shooter last season, only like 29.5% or so, and wasn't much of a threat off the ball. But, you know, 34th percentile as a catch-and-shoot player, 34th percentile as a spotted player, you know, kind of along the same lines if you're, you know, not taking it to the basket there. But, you know, Katie Smith did try to kind of mitigate some of her lack of gravity by running her off a ton of screens, ran a lot of floppy action with her. And not amazing numbers here in terms of like how she produced on those specific plays where she ended up with the ball, but she runs off them hard. And I think this could like really become something that she gets good at, uh, not necessarily by her jump shot, you know, coming off those screens, but getting some momentum, attacking the basket, putting the defense in a compromised position where, you know, maybe it's the, the big picking her up instead of her own defender. So I definitely think there is, despite her poor percentage from three last season, she was in the 80th percentile on jump shots, 16 feet and in, you know, 81.8% free throw shooter last year, albeit on pretty low volume. She was a really solid three-point shooter over her career at college, 38.5%, almost 82% free throw shooter over those four years in college as well. So really would not be surprised to see her expand her game out to three over the next few seasons. Not sure if it'll be next year, but I think her shot looks really good, particularly at the elbows. And I don't really see why she wouldn't be able to expand that out to three-point range uh, effectively. Um, yeah. Like when, when, when you say she shot 29.4% from three, um, she's a better shooter than that. I, I, I hate to say like, well, it was a small sample size or, or she was injured. Like, I don't want to make excuses or anything like that, but uh, she's a better shooter than that. And also, you mentioned like their floor spacing was not particularly great last season. I think she might, I think there's room for her to improve as far as a driver because there will be more spacing on the floor of the season for them. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, not just this season with, with all the good, you know, three point shooting rookies that they have, but, you know, in seasons moving forward when they get some of their uh, international players back as well, you know, yeah. they definitely are set up to play a, a lot more of a modern game. So l let's talk about their young players now. We'll hold off on Sabrina. You know, she's obviously the number one pick, the one everyone is expecting greatness from. But I think it'll be a little bit more interesting to start out with some of their, their other rookies. Uh, you know, they have seven of them coming in. Let's start with the, the three picks that they took after Sabrina or ended up with, uh, you know, with trades and whatnot in the first round. Megan Walker, Jocelyn Willoughby, and Jasmine Jones. What, what did you kind of think of these 
picks, you know, who do you see as the most WNBA ready? Who has the highest ceiling? Who has the lowest ceiling? Let, let's dive into these three specifically. Okay. So I think this is, this is pretty straightforward, at least in my opinion. Um, I think Jocelyn Willoughby is actually the most WNBA ready. She was, this was a trade. Uh, she was originally drafted by Phoenix uh, in the first round, but the Liberty traded. I really liked her at Virginia. Uh, their team was kind of lousy, but she was, she was just, she was a shining star in the ACC. What really stands out about Willoughby to me is that she has a WNBA body. And what I mean by that is she's really strong. And in college, she really excelled at really getting defenders on her hip and just putting her body on them. Like she was, re- she, she was really good at drawing fouls on the floor. And when I look, when you look at her synergy statistics, she was a terrific catch and shoot player as well. So like, she's not, I, don't, I wouldn't call her like a super athletic player, but she's definitely someone who can play both off the basketball, like behind the three point line and also get her own shot by driving it and just bullying her defenders. So I really like this uh, for Liberty. I think she's the most WNBA ready of these, of this trio. Megan Walker, I think, from UConn has the highest ceiling. Um, she, of course, actually uh, declared for the draft season early. Some people, I, I'm kind of waffling on this, but some people said she should have stayed at stayed in school. One thing she can do right away is she can shoot the three. I mean, she was a terrific shooter at UConn. She's really, really good three-point shooter. And I think she's, like, she's had some trouble finishing around the basket, particularly like with her left hand. Again, she's not like a really good athlete, but Synergy really loves her game in transition. So I feel like if you're a really good three-point shooter at the small forward position who might be able to play some four later on, you're going to have a high WNBA ceiling, especially on this team. So I I really like Walker for the future for them. And then I think the lowest ceiling would be Jasmine Jones. And this is funny because she was actually on my wish list for the Chicago Sky like in the third round. When they drafted her at number 12, I was shocked. I was just downright shocked because – She's like a like a complimentary player to me, like a, a bench combo guard. She can play a little bit of one, a little bit of two. She really gets off the floor quickly. She's got she's a pretty good rebounder for a guard, but like I don't really feel like she's gonna excel in any one area. I think like there's out of these three players, once Marine Johannes and Rebecca Allen come back, Jasmine Jones is is gonna get the cut. But we'll see. I mean, when you draft a player in the first round, like you're probably more hesitant to to cut her right away so for I, I think she's she's probably going to be like on this team like I said a combo guard who could come off the bench at least sp- spell Sabrina Unescu we'll see they, I mean they did acquire Lacia Clarendon in free agency I mean you got to have some vets right you got to have some vets in the backcourt uh so we'll see what Jasmine Jones's role is but yeah I think Willoughby is the most WNBA ready while Walker is the highest ceiling okay based on sort of how you were kind of describing these three players it sounds like maybe Jones you think has the lowest floor as well like maybe the most likely to just not be an effective WNBA player yeah yeah uh like I said I think that was she was probably the biggest shock of of any of the first round picks like there were some shocks like Mikia Herbert Harrington was was pretty surprising for Minnesota at number six but yeah I'm I'm not seeing it I like again she would have been great value in like the third round first round eh but like on this team, it's it's like who knows? You know, I, I know I know we want to talk about this later, but it's like with, with the way they're going, it's it's going to kind of be open season. It's going to be like an extended tryout period for all of these guards. So maybe she'll come in and, and surprise us. Um, I think she's right away going to be. I think she's going to be the best defender of the group right away. But you know, defense matters until it doesn't. And <laughs> offensively, I can't take credit for that. Um, my friend uh, Sadie Edwards, she's a grad assistant at IU right now. She. He told me uh, defense matters until it doesn't. And that always stuck with me. So yeah, I, th- I think Jones, it's it extremely, you know what you're going to get from her. And as far as ceiling goes, I'm not sold, but we'll see. Sure. So 
I mean, is there any kind of positional versatility within these plays? You, you mentioned Walker maybe can give you some minutes at the the four. Jones is a little bit more of a combo guard. You know, what what position do you kind of see these folks shaking out at uh, in terms of the next level? Like, are are their best positions all threes, with the exception of Jones, who's maybe more of a two? Yeah, I don't think any. I don't think the positional versatility is anything extraordinary here. Um, Willoughby, she's a wing. She can play the two or the three. It's, you know, it's pretty interchangeable, I would say, especially because she's got, you know, the, the strength to play the three and maybe lacking a little bit of quickness, lateral quickness to play the two, but you could play her comfortably there as well. Jasmine Jones, she's a, she's a combo guard. That's, that's all there is. Maybe she can switch on to some threes defensively, but I wouldn't. And Megan Walker, I, I say she's got stretch for potential, but right now, looking at how they built their roster, they've got a lot of fours competing there. So I think right now her best position is at the three. We'll see how it shakes out. I'd be surprised if she plays a lot of four there right away. Just looking at how they built their roster. Like you've got, they also, they also drafted players like Kylie Shook and Liana Odom. And of course we said they have Kia Stokes back, but she's probably not going to play ahead as LEB. So I think that's more in the future for them. So out of all these players, I'd say Walker has the most versatility, but I think it's pretty vanilla just, just looking at their skills and their size. Sure. Do you see any of their games kind of within, you know, these first three players that we're talking about, the, the more perimeter-based players? Do you see them kind of fitting in with the Liberty's existing building blocks, uh, you know, UNESCO in particular, but also uh, Nurse, Johannes when she comes back, Durr? Do you see them kind of fitting in better than, than any of the other ones? Yeah, I would say Walker fits the best with the incumbents plus Sabrina because she's basically, you know, the franchise right now. Cause just because she can give you something. Because, like, if you look at Jones and Willoughby, that backcourt is packed with players. They're gonna be they're gonna be fighting for minutes, especially in the future. Whereas Megan Walker, I feel like you can safely pencil her in behind Kia Nurse. That's that's pretty much a done deal, I would say. And because she she does bring that length on the perimeter, she does bring the length and three point shooting, which are both in which if you have both of those in one player, that's extremely valuable, right? So I would say Megan Walker is the best fit with their existing building blocks. Um, which is, I mean, it's no surprise because she was their, their second draft pick, right? So that's, that's my take on that. Do you see maybe any of these players being better than the incumbents, you know, better than Kia Nurse, Asia Durr, Maureen Johannes uh, of these three players? That's tough because we haven't really seen much of Durr or Johannes yet. I don't think any of them are going to be better than Kia Nurse. You know, I, maybe as like outside shooters, maybe Walker's going to turn into the best pure shooter, but, I mean, that, again, you know, Durr and Johannes are, are both very good pure shooters already, so that's, that's tough. I, I, what I like to think of it as is they're just more pieces of the puzzle, right? You look at this roster, it's, it's obvious that Old Hopkins and Jonathan Kolb, the GM, they want a, a roster where everyone can shoot the basketball, so, which is great. I mean, I love that. That's, that's an awesome philosophy. So I, I think as far as playmaking is concerned, no, I don't. I think Willoughby and Walker are players who are they're going to be looking for their own shot, where someone like Johannes and maybe Asia Durr like that, that. That statistic you provided earlier, where like Durr's offense, including pick and roll, or Durr's offense in the pick and roll, including passes, just fell off a cliff. I think I think there's room for that to get better just because of the improved floor spacing. Um, but you know, like neither Willoughby nor Walker are like really lead guards, and I don't I don't see them ever becoming lead guards. So they're more off-ball players, I would say. So maybe apples and oranges a little bit. I think Walker has the best chance of being better than their incumbent players, but I don't think any of them will be. Cool. So let's move on to their younger prospects that are more bigs than wings. Kylie Shook, Liana Odom. 
and join our homes. You know, when I was kind of going through synergy stats, don't really do a ton of digging in terms of college players, but it seems like every player that I look up is in like the 92nd percentile or better and <laughs> as an offensive player until you get to join our homes, who was uh, in the 49th percentile as uh, an offensive college player. Is that something that maybe I should be a little worried about from her? I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. Uh, you know, Jordan is a player I'm, I'm pretty frustrated watching because she had such a good freshman season at Texas. And while, just watching her, like, you might have to take my word for this, but she's got a lot of potential. I mean, she's big, she's strong, she can handle the basketball. But then you look at, like, her two-point shooting percentage. For a big, it's not good. And, this, and as you listed, you know, the, uh, just the overall percentile in, in half-court offense, not good. Um, if, if you look at her defensively, well, I think she's got some potential there because she can move her feet a little bit and she's got the strength and she's a good rebounder, but she doesn't rate there as well. Those numbers were ugly. Yeah, they were not good. I was, I was disappointed with that. So, I mean, maybe Texas might be one of those programs where it's like they don't, they don't get a lot out of their individual talent. Like, for, like you look back to Ariel Atkins, right? She was maybe projected to be like a late first round, early second round pick. Of course, then Mike Tebow picks her up in Washington. You can see what Ariel Atkins is doing now. So um, I think Holmes, she's going to be like a kind of end of the bench player for this team right now. Again, because like they drafted Odom and Shook, who I think have, will have more clear-cut roles on this team. Holmes, she's got to get it. She, she's got to really establish herself. I think she needs to improve her basketball IQ, for one. She takes a lot of really, quest really questionable shots. And then just establish yourself, what is her strength? Her strength is being physical, getting on the glass, and then maybe uh, getting a defensive rebound and then pushing the basketball herself. That's what she's got to focus on, in my opinion. Like, she's, she's got a lot of tools, but as you said, the stats would correctly indicate that she didn't really pan out there, which is disappointing. But uh, if, if there's a team that you have a, a toolsy player on, it's got to be this one, right? Because you know they're looking at every player on the roster for the future, so... Yeah, and uh, you know the great Ben Dole recently compared Joyner Holmes's upside to, or at least like her grab and go transition game to Alyssa Thomas, which I found interesting. As uh, that's that's pretty optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I I think even he kind of viewed it like this is the most optimistic perspective on Joyner Holmes. Not necessarily this is what she's going to turn into, um, but like you know if she can play hard all the time and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, um, Ben and I were we're both very high in Joiner this this past uh, off uh, this past college season. We were both part of the Joiner Holmes hive. I I kind of am lower on her now than he is, I guess. But uh, Ben, thank you so much for listening. We love your content. Uh, we love you, man. Uh, so so let's talk about kind of how Holmes and and these other bigs will fit into this roster. You know, kind of same question I asked you with regards to the wing players. Like, who who is the most WNBA ready? You know, who do you expect to have the best rookie season? Who has the highest ceiling? Who has the lowest ceiling? Who has the lowest floor? Okay, this is interesting because I feel like there's more positional versatility among these players than there are the wings and guards that they drafted. Um, in particular, Liana Odom, I, I really like her as a prospect because she just moves so fluidly for a post player. It's like, is she a three? Is she a four? That, that's maybe more of a that's maybe more of a knock than a compliment, or at least it comes off that way. But I think as a defender, she could probably defend like the two through the five in a switch heavy system. Um, she's just super rangy, and she's got a ton of athletic potential. Um, I don't think she's – maybe if she finds a good three-point shot, then she can be a really good player. Um, she's just extremely toolsy. But Kylie Shook, I think, will be the best fit early on because she's she's used to being in a system where, like, like a four-out system where she's defending the rim, 
she can maybe do a little bit of pick and pop. Like if you look at her numbers, like she's not great anywhere other than transition, but I feel like she's a player who can come in and do a little bit of everything for you, at least in, in terms of what you want a post player in this era to do. So like set a good screen up top, roll the hoop, or set a screen up top and pop for a three-point shot, get on the glass and maybe do a little bit of rim protection, right? I don't know how their front court rotation is going to play out. I think they're pretty still, they're still pretty sold on Zowie B. Um, but other than that, I mean, like it's, again, it's going to be kind of an open tryout. So I, I think Shook is, is the most WNBA ready of the group, but Odom has the highest ceiling. And well, in, in, if I can just jump in, I do want to kind of ask a specific question before I forget to ask, can any of these players, like, I think they're all sort of penciled in to get some minutes at the four can any of these players maybe be like the center of the future for this team? Center of the future? No, no, because that, that implies that they're, they're going to be, you know, starting and getting, getting heavy minutes. I, I don't think if, if Kylie Shook is a starting center in the week, then she's probably surrounded by four shooters, which if you look at the roster, very possible. Um, but th- I think you got to aim higher than that. And Holmes, I mean, she's got the potential to be a starting center, but again, she's just seems so far away from that, from reaching that potential I, I, I can't I can't safely say she's a center of the future. But there is but they are both four or fives, if that's what you're asking. Cool. So do you see, you know, similar to what we talked about before, do you see any of these players fitting in particularly well or, or better than others with Sabrina in particular and, and with the perimeter players that this team has? Uh, I think fitting with Sabrina, that that's that's an interesting question. Because I think if you if you just look at it fitting with Sabrina, I think Kylie Shook is the best fit because she's a good screener. She can roll, she can pop, she can, again, she's a very good complimentary player. She's a very good complimentary player for a team full of shooters and, you know, people who are creating for themselves. However, I think overall, I would say Liana Odom is the best fit because she's just so versatile in her game. Like if you look at their roster, like let's, let's be honest next year, they're not gonna be able to defend anybody. Right. Especially if, you know, uh, obviously Walt Hopkins is, he's going to want to play fast. He's going to want to play, small he's going to want to play with a lot of shooting and you know looking at their roster i'm not seeing a lot of defenders here i think leon odom has the potential to be a very good defender as i said before i think they're probably going to run a lot of switching um they're probably going to do a lot of being being pretty aggressive in their pick and roll defense and i think leon odom is a great fit for that offensively i think she needs to find in the half court she needs to find a role but in transition she's going to be great again because she runs a floor like a gazelle she is really long and rangy and again like I said oozing with athletic potential great value for a second round pick I, I love the pick and um I, I hope she can she can find a spot on this team because she's a lot of fun in terms of like where these players like really made their like their bread and butter what what they really excelled at is there any kind of specific aspects to any of these rookies games that you like worry about translating to the next level yeah I'd say probably Leona Odom would be a jump shot I feel like a lot of times she settled for like a long two-pointer on the baseline or or something like that. I I think just because of her handle and because of her frame, she's still going to be able to get something on offense, but she needs to kind of extend her range in order to be a consistent WNBA player. Holmes, the basketball IQ. I mean, I said that already. And then Kylie Shook, uh, I think with her, it's kind of like a, she's kind of a what you see is what you get type of player. I think she can be a solid rotation player, but not really starting caliber. Like, I don't really think she has the highest ceiling. Um, she's another player Ben Dahl spoke very glowingly about, by the way. And he, lo- he loves a fit here, and I, I can't disagree with him. So I, I think these front court players, they all seem kind of, they all seem kind of piecemeal to me right now. 
it's like the, the Liberty, you know, obviously they, they traded Tina Charles in the offseason, which is part of the reason why there's such an open competition here. They all seem like it's kind of like, like, okay, here you all are. Somebody go win that starting spot, right? So out of the three, I would say Kylie Shook is probably the most WNBA ready, while Odom has the best long-term success chances. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's play a game that I like to play personally. I'm not sure how you feel about it so far, but uh, we're, we're going to kind of group the, the rookies in with the existing young players in this team's sort of infrastructure. What level of player do you see these players most likely outcome as? And we usually define that as superstar, star, solid starter, solid rotation player, low-end rotation player. Let's start with Kia Nurse. Okay. Um, I, I do like this game, by the way. It's a fun game. Uh, Keeners, I think, is going to be a solid starter if she isn't already. You know, uh, I, I don't think she's going to be a star because, like, again, I, I don't see her ever developing into a good playmaker for others. If you think about her, her ceiling, like, well, what's, what's her ceiling on a good team? I think she can be a solid third option, right? Um, but, I mean, she's already got a, a very analytics-based individual scoring games. And by that, we mean, again, three-pointers and free throws. So in that, she's And, and getting to the rim. Yeah, yeah, right. So, I mean, so, so in that respect, I think she's already a solid starter. How much better can she get? I don't know. I think so much of this does depend on her ability to make plays for others in the pick and roll, right? Or, and or be a good transition player. I think she's got the potential to be a, a better transition player than what she's shown out of the pick and roll. I'm not so sure. Are you more optimistic than I am? Um, you know, for Nurse, I would say I'm like right in between solid starter and star. You know, not in the sense that I – think she's ever going to like be able to create good offense like by herself or anything like that but I I think like as you mentioned and and as we've kind of said a couple times here like if she was like the third best player on your team like you're doing something you know what I mean like especially if you have like a great big and you know a Sabrina type guard who can really kind of create for others and, and she has a little bit less of that load where you know she is either spacing the floor to let others do their thing or she's, you know, creating tough shots, getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line. Like she has such a great complimentary game. You know, yeah, she doesn't give you much as a playmaking player. Like she is solid, if unspectacular defensively, and maybe will be a little bit uh, undersized against some threes. But, you know, I think she's, she could be like a star role player, that type of player, but not like a, a star. Okay, that's fair. Let's, uh, let's, let's do one of the rookies, Megan Walker. Okay, Megan Walker, I said solid starter. Um, again, I don't think this is going to happen right away because she's being blocked by Kia Nurse, basically. But, you know, she is a tall player who is really good at shooting threes. Players like that are going to have a place in almost any starting lineup. And I think, in particular, she's the best fit with UNESCO, as we said earlier. So, again, that's, that bodes well for her chances on this team. She's someone who can either run and finish in transition or run to the corner or run to the wing and shoot the three-pointer. We always talk about, you know, three-pointers in transition. That's where a lot of the efficiency comes from. I think Megan Walker is really going to excel next to Sabrina Unescu because, you know, the Liberty are going to want to get out and run and push the ball. And if they can get their transition offense to a point where you have, like, two three-point shooters running with Sabrina Unescu or two players who can either finish or shoot running with Sabrina Unescu, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think Megan Walker, out of the players they have, is the best candidate to become one of those. So I would say solid starter, at least. Cool. Let's uh, let's do one of the rookie bigs. Let's start with Joyner Holmes. Okay, so um, you can probably already guess what I'm going to say. I, 
I can't say anything better than low-end rotation player at the moment because, like, you can say potential, 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 skill, 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 talent, talent, talent. But, like, again, she in four years of college, she got worse from her freshman season. And then her senior season, like, she was okay, but, you know, she fell in the draft. And I think other GMs are saying this, too. On both ends of the basketball, she rated poorly as a senior. For me, that's too hard to ignore. I don't know about you. But, like, again, I don't think she's got the highest basketball IQ. And her two-point shooting percentage in particular is very bad for a front court player. I don't know if it's because she was taking too many two-point jump shots or if she wasn't finishing all at the rim. Right now, I think her biggest asset is her ability as a rebounder and maybe to push the basketball. But if you're on a team, again, here's the thing. If you're on a team with Sabrina Unescu, do you want your big bringing the ball up the floor? So right now, I can't see her being any more than a low. I think she's got the potential to be a solid rotation player, but from what I've seen in four years of watching her at Texas, she has never reached that potential. So I, I can't go any higher than low one rotation player. Well, I mean, you know my personal stance. The, the more players that you have that can push in transition, the better. So, you know, theoretically, if that aspect of her game does work out, you know, maybe that'll be a, a plus for them. But Fair point. Uh, let's move on to Asia Durr. Okay. I'm in between solid starter and solid rotation player here, so I'm kind of cheating. Um, but I think, again, I think she's got great pure shooting potential, like, like a versatile jump shot, as we like to say. Maybe her lack of side-to-side athleticism and, and not being a great playmaker for others, that kind of hurts her from – you know, truly developing into a solid starting caliber player. And she's also kind of small as well. Because, like, if you think of Asia Durr, her game is probably more suited to be more of an off-ball type of player than an on-ball type of player, right? But if she's playing the two, I think she's a little small for that. However, she was pretty good defensively as a rookie in limited minutes. She wasn't great, but, I mean, rookies often struggle on defense, and I thought Asia Durr wasn't bad on defense. So I, I would kind of like to see her as, like, a six-woman type of player. You know, someone who can, who can get hot off the bench in a hurry. You, like you said, they ran a lot of plays for her last season. I think she is a player who you can run a lot of plays for just because of, like we said, her jump shot and her ability to get to the rim. So, uh, yeah, I'd say six-woman slash solid starter. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to put her in the solid starter category because I think she can be an elite bench player, like one of those six players that, you know, opposing bench lineups just don't have an answer for, and, and she – you know, it was just getting to the rim, creating for herself in the pick and roll, you know, leaking out in transition, all, all that kind of stuff. So I think she can be a, a very, very effective, as you're saying, guard off the bench where she's just kind of taking advantage of lineups that just aren't as talented as she is. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of where I, I don't think she's really going to be like a star level starting player. And maybe that's unfair. You know, maybe we just didn't get enough of her rookie season and we're going to look like fools a year from now, but <laughs> that, that's kind of what I, I've seen from her. How about Jocelyn Willoughby? Uh, I'm, I'm no stranger to looking like a fool, by the way. So if y'all want to dig up this episode a year from now, please do. Um, Jocelyn Willoughby, I would say solid rotation player. Uh, I think the one thing that's keeping her from being a solid starter is that, again, she's not a very good playmaker for others. Like if, if you just look at her, her basic assisted turnover stats at, at Virginia, they're, they're not good. They're not good at all. And then when you dig into the synergy stuff, it's further not good. Um, but she can get her own shot anytime she wants, and she can also spot up and catch and shoot very, very, very effectively. So, again, for, for somebody who can play both the two and the three and has a WNBA body right away coming out of college, that's only a good sign for me. Uh, defensively, I'm not sold. So I think she could be, again, maybe a sixth or seventh player coming off the bench. I would stop shy at calling her an elite bench, or an elite bench player like we talked about Asia Durr. 
but um, I think she's going to have a home in the WNBA for a long time. Okay, how about Liana Odom? Liana Odom, okay, this is the one that I kind of struggled with the most because I, I feel like there's such a wide range of outcomes for her. It's either, I, I think uh, Richard Cohen, uh, WNBA alien, said this on Twitter. He's like, yeah, uh, Liana Odom seems like a player who's going to get cut from a lot of WNBA teams. And I don't know, that's his cheeky sense of humor. But um, what, he, what I think he meant by that is she's an extremely, again, an extremely toolsy forward who can, you know, who can defend a lot of positions, has a lot of athletic potential, but doesn't really have one thing that immediately stands out that she excels at. However, I think in transition, she's going to be a great player. Um, once again, playing alongside Sabrina Ionescu. She's a player who can, remember we talked about like the Las Vegas Aces with Asia Wilson, like she's, yo, she's, she's so good in transition. She should get a lot more of those opportunities. I'm not saying that Liana Odom is Asia Wilson because she's not. But she is a forward who I think will be able to absolutely feast in transition, both as a ball handler and as a play finisher. So with her, I would just say solid rotation player for now because I think she's extremely versatile defensively and she's got enough offensive potential to where you have to keep her on the floor for at least like 14, 15 minutes per game. Okay, Maureen Johannes. A little too old. You know, usually we try to do this with players who have not yet played their age 25 season. Uh, Last season was Maureen Johannes' age 25 season, but it was also her rookie season, and she showed enough promise and promising flashes that I thought that she would still be a worthwhile kind of exercise in this game. Uh, What do you think about her? Solid starter with the aesthetics of a star. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah, because, I mean, we already talked so much about her. We're we're gushing over her game. As as you said before, she is – both a very good and versatile shooter and a playmaker. And that's it. If you can, if you can dribble pass and shoot, like you're going to have a spot in professional basketball. You said you like, she takes some risks, but you know what, what great point guard doesn't that's that that's, I don't think that's something that, uh, that, we, that we can knock her too much for. Um, honestly, like what, what do you consider to be a star dude? Because <laughs> I think she's got the upside to be a star and solid rotation player, maybe selling her talent a little bit short. What, what do you think about this one? I, I'm not. Eric, I think she's going to be a star. You think she's going to be a star? Okay. I do. I think she's the one player, at least in terms of the veterans, you know, quote unquote veterans that we talked about that actually <laughs> has superstar upside. Like Maureen Johannes can bend defenses in a way that these other players just can't. She has a versatility to her outside game that these other players just don't. You know, she has passing chops, which is something that Kia Nurse and Asia Durr do not bring with them. Yeah. Just like the gravity that she brings the, the versatility of her shot, you know, you know, take a drink because I mentioned the versatility of your jump <laughs> shot. But I just think, you know, she brings a, a, not only like, you know, an energy, quote unquote, or, or something like that, but she brings aspects of the game that no other player on this list brings with them. And, and I do think that she is going to be a star and has legit superstar upside to where that, you know, she can hit, you know, high 30, 40 type-ish numbers on threes from the, from like, pull up pick and rolls and, and create for others on those opportunities and just, you know, create advantages where, where the defense is trying to compensate for her shooting it in ways that these other players just cannot do with kind of what their games are set up to do. So you know, maybe I'm just, you know, getting a little bit too caught up in a very small sample size from what she brought to the table last season. You know, she had a lot of games where she did nothing. But the games where she was on, that game in Chicago, uh, a couple other ones, you know, there was, uh, I think, a game in Seattle where she went six for six or something like that. You know, she is a baller. You know, a couple of things that they came to my mind when you were, when you were speaking about this. Um, one, I, I think it's, it's more difficult to put this exercise. You know, we as, as WNBA fans, 
with international players who may or may not come over in any given season. Uh, again, uh, as you said earlier, both Stephen and I fully support players sitting out the season for their health. Um, I, I think that's that's a necessity. But one name that comes to mind is uh, Astuandu. She had she was drafted. Um, you know, when she was, her early days in San Antonio, people were gushing over her 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 length and her her skill beyond the basket, and she didn't really get a chance to show much of that until honestly until last season in Chicago when she really got a, a, a role because she was not consistently in the WNBA getting those types of minutes. So maybe this is a case of where like Rain Johannes is, is showing so much is showing us a lot, but like the sample size isn't really there. And I hate this on, I hate to say, I hate to see a sample size like in this scenario because I sound like such a nerd, but um, like, cause anyone can watch Rain Johannes play for a few seconds and say, Oh my God, this, this girl's amazing. But and the other thing I think about is that she kind of reminds me in the aesthetics of her game, she kind of reminds me of Shoni Schimmel in that she is such an amazing shooter from anywhere on the floor. She's got that quick release and she's got a very, is explosive passing, is, is that a term? Or exciting passing maybe? <laughs> sure. Like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, she's just got such a, a, a wizardry in her offensive arsenal that um, it, it's just, it's just got so much, like, it's, it's hard to put a ceiling on that, right? So, okay, if, if you want to say she's a, a, a potential superstar, I, I could get behind that. Well, it. and here's the difference. Maureen Johannes is actually an efficient offensive player. Like, she brings more substance to her offensive game than Shoni Schimmel does, you know, a player that we talk about in our, at one point when we release 2014 <laughs> WNBA redraft. But, you know, Shoni Schimmel was like a career, you know, 48% true shooting or something like that. Like, Maureen Johannes, like, actually puts the ball in the basket. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, another, I think, kind of interesting comparison is like Liz Cambage, right? Drafted in between Maya Moore and Courtney Vandersloot and has played four WNBA seasons. So, like, maybe Maureen Johannes just doesn't come over to the WNBA frequently enough for her to actually be a superstar. That would be terrible. It would be terrible, and I hope it's not the case. But anyhow, yeah, I I think that the the sky's the limit for this player. I think she could be, uh, you know, I, I don't expect it to happen but I think she could be a, a transcendent player with the way she plays the game. Transcendent. Okay, you heard the man. Uh, Jasmine Jones. Okay, Jasmine Jones, I think, is a low-end rotation player only because I don't really think she's going to excel at any one thing. Like, she's a big combo guard, but it's like, does she excel as a two? No. Does she excel as a one? Probably not. Uh, and, and I think she, out of these, out of the group of players, besides Joyner Holmes, out of their draftees, let's put it that way, out of their draftees, I think she is the most susceptible to being cut once Rebecca Allen and or Marino Hannes return. I think this is, this is pretty straightforward. Kylie Shook. Uh, I'd say solid rotation player. I, I definitely don't think she's going to be a starting caliber player, like on a good team. But again, as I said before, she can give you a little bit of everything off the bench on both ends of the floor. Um, she can run the floor. She can do some pick and pop action. She can defend the rim and she can rebound. You know, I don't think she's, again, I don't think she's going to excel at any one of those things. But just her overall game, like her ability to do any of that on any given night, it's going to be hard to keep her off the floor, especially, you know, like just for death reasons. You know, she, I feel like you can play her alongside any kind of other front court player. Like if you can, if you play her alongside a dominant low post player, you know, she can maybe play a little bit of outside game. Um, if you play her at the five, you know, she can really be an effective shot blocker for you. As, as we said, her, her main synergy metric that stood out was her play in transition. I'm not sure how that's going to translate, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, Kylie Shook, I think she's going to be, you know, pretty decent. I, I don't want to say 
I don't want to say average because that that feels like a diss, but um, I think she's she's got a, a decent W. Baker ahead of her. Okay, how about Hanzu? Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, man. Because like you look at her, she's enormous. Obviously, she's got huge wingspan, but like her numbers last year, granted in limited minutes, so small sample size, but they weren't good, Stephen. They were bad. Yeah, not not an overly promising rookie season at all. You know, she did flash a little bit from outside, went five for 10 from the three-point range, but was truly just a, a terrible rebounder for someone of any size, never mind someone with her height and wingspan. 6% total rebounding tied with Christy Tolliver and Brooke McCarty-Williams, so two uh, guards on the smaller size, and she was just an absolute black hole on offense. She, she never turned it over uh, because she shot every single time she touched the ball, which means she also never passed. I'm not completely ready to, to write her off, but there's also like nothing promising enough about last season that would make me say that she would be anything other than, you know, a low end rotation player and really nothing kind of in her body of work, at least as a WNBA player that would lead to be anything other than like overly critical. So, you know, I, I'm not super optimistic. I, I guess at this point I would say low end rotation player, but you know, she was very young last season. There's yeah. a, a lot of room for improvement. Didn't play a ton. So who knows? I think maybe we're jumping the gun a little too early there. Yeah, you know, the one thing about Hanju is, is like, again, it's an, it's an international player who doesn't really have much uh, experience in, in this circuit. And if you just look at her, like, you, you could just see, like, right away, she needs to put on muscle. She needs to put on muscle. She needs to kind of grow into her frame a little bit. I, I think there's some potential there. Obviously, I mean, you can't write off a player who looks like that right away. But, yeah, I was, I was pretty disappointed last year. Let's talk about Sabrina a little bit. You know, I, I feel like there's not really too much to say about her just in terms of, you know, she's – uh, one of the most hyped college prospects uh, in a long time. What What is the path for Sabrina Ionescu to become like anything other than a complete superstar? Are there any at all concerns to her game? Concerns to her game? No, no. I, I, I hate to say the only thing holding her back is injury because I, you know, like knock on wood, I don't want to say that, but I don't really see many weaknesses in her game. I don't see much of her game that isn't going to translate already. Obviously, you know, point guards struggle coming out of college. That's just the way it is. All the elite point guards in the league have struggled in early on in their careers. Sabrina will struggle with aggressive defenses. She will struggle reading aggressive defenses and, you know, probably on, on the defensive end as well. But, I mean, th then if you look at all the elite point guards, which one of them, like, like average defense, even maybe below average defense, didn't stop them from becoming star players, right? So you, you can't even really say that, like, oh, well, Sabrina, she doesn't play defense. I feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, oh, she doesn't play defense. That's just, that's just a way of saying, I can't find anything else of inner game to fall. So I'm just going to say she doesn't play defense, right? So honestly, no, I think she will be a superstar. I don't have any concerns to her game. You know, I mean, she can already, she's already a great shooter. We, are, we know she's an amazing passer and playmaker. She's done everything possible as a to establish herself as a, as a great floor general. She got all the hype for a reason. I don't think she's going to be averaging a triple-double in the W. I don't think she's going to be getting a, a ton of triple-doubles in the WNBA, but that's, that's a pretty silly barometer anyway. So, no, I, I think Sabrina's going to be a superstar. may take a few years, but she'll get there. So what do you, uh, what do you think this team's going to look like next year? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think the one thing I, you, you can say for certain is that, you know, I, I use the term, they're going to be fun. I don't know how good they're going to be, because, like, this defense is not looking good, and, like, they've got so much youth. Like, like who are their veterans? Like, Amanda Zoe B and Alicia Clarendon, like, are their veterans, right? Maybe Kia Stokes. That team is going to have a lot of stuff to figure out. 
and then if you factor in like this this really weird and unfortunate climate that they're going to be playing in right now that's that's a whole nother story there's going to be a ton of variance on this team i think they're, they're going to run a lot they're going to shoot a ton of threes and they're probably going to give up a lot of points right so even if they're not that good they're going to be a fun team to watch i feel like at least as far as if, if you like modern offense if you don't like three-pointers like don't watch this team right but if you do this is this is probably going to be your team um how all they, how they all fit together again i think it's going to be like a like an extended training camp period for them honestly like is jocelyn will be like a starting caliber player or is she or is she uh you know not uh is she just like a low-end rotation player i don't know is megan walker gonna play the three is she gonna play the four i don't know who's gonna be starting next next to sabrina i don't know like i wish i had a crystal ball in this situation but Sometimes it's it's just fun to watch a young team really just develop and find their identity and put it all together, you know. Uh, and you, we also have we also can't forget, Reen Johannes and Rebecca Allen aren't on this team right now. So and those, as I think we could both agree, those are going to be key pieces in the team moving forward. So I think the future is very bright for this team in that they have a forward-thinking head coach and front office. They seem to be on the same page, like as to what what to do to bring this team back to relevancy. And it's going to be a lot of fun watching that come together. So that's my take on it. I mean, do you have an opinion? Yeah, I mean, 2020 is probably going to be pretty rough. I imagine they're going to lose a lot of games, get a good draft pick. But combine that, you know, the young pieces that they already have, who, who we covered extensively, you know, a lot of bites at the apple in terms of, you know, they have seven rookies. If a couple of them besides Sabrina turn into something, you know, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Plus, you mentioned it, the overseas player. Think about how much more balance this roster is going to be with this same core the same team they have now but instead of three end of the rotation rookies you have Rebecca Allen Steph Talbot and Marine Johannes like that's pretty good depth already you know a lot better kind of three-point shooting than anything they had last season in terms of you know those those players giving you a a full season over here so you know I I think next year is going to be rough and it won't be long before this team is is a very good team so I guess one other question I, I kind of wanted to lay out to you before we kind of wrap things up here is you know, by the time this team is good, like, do you expect Amanda Zowie B to be this team's starting center of the future? Hmm. That's an excellent question, sir. I would have to look at, like, who's coming up in the draft. But, I mean, it, it sure feels like they're invested in her, doesn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. So, and she does, like, I've not been, full disclosure, I've not been the biggest Amanda Zowie B fan. But I feel like she did improve a lot last season. Kudos to her. She got into really good shape, you know, compared to early in her career. And she does have that uh, pick and pop game. I feel like she can be a good rebounder and maybe like her, I feel like her health defense has never been that great, but she's got the size to block shots when she's in position. So she's got some things, she's got some skills that I feel like fit a modern game. Do you? Yeah. You know, I'm not super high on Amanda's IB. I think offensively, you know, she can kind of fit any system you want because she can roll or pop. Yeah. Uh, to the hoop, which is nice. She can, you know, nominally space the floor. She's not a great three-point shooter. She's probably not even as good as, you know, what her numbers indicated last year, you know, where she had that one crazy game <laughs> that sort of buoyed her her statistics for the season and shot pretty poorly otherwise. And, you know, I think she's, you know, until, let's say, T.R. McCowan comes into her own as a player, she, Amanda Zowie is at best, what, the 10th best starting center in the WNBA? Like, Yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, maybe the rest of the pieces can just be good enough where, where that's enough. But until they have like a real four who's someone you can really bank on, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure she's going to be like a, a long-term kind of really significant piece of 
what the next successful Liberty team looks like, but she could be if they, if they do get, you know, a star out of the power forward position. Um, I guess that's not impossible, but you know, they just had one and they won, you know, 18 games in two years or whatever. So. Well, I mean, I mean, for Amanda, I think, I think people need to temper their expectations for her a little bit. I'm maybe kind of a little bit of a self on there, but again, I think it's been commendable how she has, she's in the process of turning her game into a more modern one, right? Because, like, when she came into the league, she was not in great shape. She didn't really have much of an outside shot. Um, defensively, she was a complete liability. I feel like she has... Well, well, she, she probably still is, let's be fair. She probably still is, but, like, not, not a disaster, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, so I feel like she's still a player who can... Well, let's, let's go back. What, what, what tier do you put her in? Like, solid, probably solid rotation player, right? Yeah, she's... I think you're disappointed if she's your starting center, but she is a valuable WNBA player, like, to be sure. Yeah. She, she's not a bum. Like, I, I'm not trying to say that by any means. Like, she, she can play, obviously. She's just, you know, the 10th best starting center in the WNBA. Yeah, and that's, that's uh, I, I feel like that's, that's something you got to live with for a little bit if you're this team because they invested so heavily in just this really versatile and three-point shot heavy draft. They could have gone with the center. You know, they had, they had picks like uh, the late first round and early second round picks that they could have gone with a, a more traditional low post player. But it's obvious that this team wants a more of like a like a switching defense that uh, can space the floor and run in transition. So uh, maybe that'll that'll come later. Again, I'd have to look at future drafts. There's there's a couple of players I think coming out next season that the Liberty might, might want to have their eyes on. And if this season doesn't go well for them, they might get one of those players. So this is obviously Rome wasn't built in a day. I, I, we might be getting kind of ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but it's it's again I'm just going back to the process, man. It's gonna be fun to watch this team develop. Yeah, for sure. I, I can't wait, especially, you know, seeing Sabrina. Year two of Asia Dur, that, that's going to be fun. And, and of course, all, you know, we talked about it extensively, all the rookies that they have here. So uh, anything else? Not really. I mean, I think we covered this pretty extensively. Like I said before, this is a team that uh, I really like. I really respect their process because they were willing to trade their franchise player and they were willing to basically invest in a ton of players with their unproven. You know, but they went all in on that approach, and that's I think that's very commendable. They did not settle for the uh, well. Let's just let's just retool, right? Let's just rebuild on the fly. No, no, no. They blew it all up. So uh, things might get worse before they get better, but when they get better, they'll get a lot better. Yeah, and just you know, for the listeners, the the Tina Charles stuff, we thought we would save that for the Washington episode, as kind of fits in what, with what we've been doing. Bria Hartley, we'll talk about next uh, next episode with Phoenix. So did want to kind of focus more on the future with this team because it does look so bright. Yeah. Cool. So if Eric, if you don't have anything else, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate and review the show. Please follow us on Twitter at double down WNBA, uh, our personal accounts at Nemchok E or at Trinkwald. And thank you so much for listening, Eric. Thank you so much, everybody. Stay safe and stay healthy.